Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. We're studying James 4, which is a call to repentance, a call for us to give up our sin. And the hardest sins to let go of are sins of the thought life, because those sins are so easy to commit. And when we try to let go of sinful thoughts, they cling to us like glue. Why is it so hard to forsake evil thoughts? And what can we do to change thought patterns we've had all our lives? Washing your hands means to physically do something to distance yourself from the sin. Washing your hands, that's taking action against that sin. Next, he says, purify your hearts. That means to deal with the problem on the inside. All the external efforts in the world will get you nowhere if the heart problem isn't dealt with. You can't, you can't do anything about the fruit or the branches of the tree unless you deal with the soil. You can dump out all the booze and install the porn filters and put TV uh, in the garbage can, dumpster, whatever. You can, you can, none of that is going to keep you from sin as long as your heart is still enslaved. And even if it did, what good would that do? Right? I mean, what good would that be? What good would it do to clean up your actions if your heart is still filthy? That's worthless. The goal is to draw near to God. And if you have clean hands and a dirty heart, you still can't draw near to God. So Psalm 24, 3 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. This is why James keeps on pointing this back to the heart. It, the, I mean, this whole section on... on having problems with each other, getting angry and and fights and quarrels. If you have a temper problem, you're never going to overcome that just by trying to overcome your temper, trying to control yourself. You've got to get down to the heart level and say, what's causing this anger down inside? What is it that my heart was desiring more than fellowship with Christ? Or what, what wrong attitudes do I have about suffering? Or what areas of pride need to be dealt with that are causing this anger? You say, well, what, uh, what if, what if I'm, I fall into some sin, but there's no real heart issue behind it? It's just a stumble. It's just a momentary, you know, it's just force of habit. It's just it, somebody provoked it, and, and there's no real sin beneath the sin in this case. The answer to that is simple. That never happens. Never. All sin originates in the heart. Every sin you've ever committed has been an inside job. That's what, that's what Jesus said in Mark 7, 21. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So if you're ever wondering, wow, is my, is my repentance really genuine? Is it adequate? Ask yourself this. Have you done anything to deal with the... Soil, the heart problem. Have you? Have you taken any steps? Because if you haven't dealt with the heart, you haven't repented. This is just this is an important thing to teach your kids. Teach your children how to repent. It's the most important, one of the most important things you could ever teach them. When 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 um, when they're really little, when kids are really little, you're just you're just trying to show them difference between right and wrong, right? That's that's how you start. But the older they get, the more they need you to instruct them about how to discover the heart problem that caused them to act this way. 
And then teach them how to change their heart in that area. This is how you bring up your children in the, children in the training and instruction of the Lord. If you don't, if all you do is deal with behavior, then all you're going to do is raise children that are either hypocrites or pretenders or who are just constantly weighed down with guilt and self-condemnation because they don't know how to deal with their sin. If you find yourself saying, how many times do I have to tell you? If, if you keep finding yourself saying that, maybe the answer is, it's not, the, it's not an issue of the number of times. They're hearing what you're saying. They're understanding it. May, they may even very well want to do it. But they can't overcome the flesh because you haven't. all you've done is teach them about outward actions and not how to change the heart. They're oblivious to how to even discover what's wrong in their heart, much less change it. And if you need help in understanding what the Bible teaches about how to change, how to diagnose heart problems and then make the changes, um, I think the best place to go in that is the, the biblical counseling literature, the books that are being written. There's a website, biblicalcounselingcoalition.org. They've got a book list uh, that just about any topic, you can, get a, you can get excellent, excellent studies on what does the Bible say about how to change heart issues for a particular sin. Or if you just want a general overview of it, uh, the book Wise Counsel, chapter 4, that that whole chapter traces how to trace outward problems back to things like desires, inclinations, your thought life, values, motives, attitudes, and so on. Sin always has to be dealt with down at that level, the heart level. Otherwise, you're just picking the heads off of dandelions. You're not going to ever get to the problem. Very often... Someone will appear to do a big 180 on the outside, and it looks like repentance, but in his thought life, he's still gripping that sin just as tightly as ever. He hasn't repented. You know, it's possible to take all those external actions that I mentioned a few minutes ago and, uh, and do that on the outside, do everything you can on the outside, but on the inside, your thoughts, you got thoughts running in your head that if you ever caught your kids watching something like that on TV, they'd be grounded until the second coming, Right? You have attitudes in your heart about a person that, that, I mean, if somebody actually carried out what the way you feel in your heart towards that, they'd go to jail. It's so easy to trick ourselves into thinking that we've repented just because we've turned away from the actions, even though our hearts are still clinging to those thoughts. But true repentance rejects both the actions and the thoughts. Rejects them. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. You haven't turned off of that sinful path yet until you have let go of those sinful thoughts. And that's the hardest hardest part of letting go of sin, isn't it? Isn't it hard? I mean, we just there, there's something in your flesh that will just react to that. You, got, you, got, you take away the sinful action in your flesh, it doesn't like it, but, but you try to take away the sinful thoughts and your flesh will have a fit. No, 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 don't take that away from me. I have to think about that. But true repentance forsakes the actions and the thoughts. So how do you deal with sin in your life? Regarding God, you submit to Him, you return to Him, and regarding self, first thing you do is wash your hands and your heart of that sin. Forsake that thing and take action to distance yourself from it. Letting go of sinful thoughts is one of the most difficult parts of repentance. There are sinful thought patterns that we have reverted to so many times that they're like deep ruts in the road that the wheels of your mind always fall back into. 
no matter how hard you try to steer away from them. It may be lustful thoughts, angry thoughts, prideful thoughts, vengeful thoughts, thoughts of self-pity. Those ways of thinking can become so habit-forming that letting go of them feels impossible. They're like security blankets. We feel like we have to let them run. So much so that in that moment that you're indulging those thoughts, if Isaiah 55.7 crosses your mind, let the wicked forsake his thoughts, the idea just seems intolerable. You don't want to think any other thoughts than those old friends that you've run to for decades. Ask the Holy Spirit to search you and show you any habitual thought patterns that you need to forsake, and then renounce them. If you have to, do it out loud. Then take the next step and figure out what you're going to replace them with. You know, you can never stop thinking about something just by deciding not to think about it anymore. The only way to ever stop thinking about anything is to think about something else. And there are so many wonderful things to think. So many beautiful thoughts that will bring happiness and joy and hope and improve your mood and make you feel so much better. Thoughts of gratitude are one example. Figure out what thoughts need to go and what thoughts you plan to replace them with and how you'll manage to call all that to mind when the moment comes. Heavenly Father, those thought patterns I have that I know aren't pleasing to you, right now I renounce them. Thoughts of self-pity, vengeful, angry thoughts about people who have hurt me, lustful thoughts, greedy thoughts, thoughts of discontent, anxious, worrying thoughts fantasies about gaining the approval or honor of men instead of you. I renounce all those evil thoughts right now. I've been holding on to them, Lord. I know I need to let them go. Send your spirit to convict me when those thoughts come into my head, just as severely as I would feel pangs of conscience if I acted on those thoughts. Help me replace them with beautiful thoughts, daydreams of righteous things, contemplation of you and your word, thoughts of gratitude. Thank you, Father, for the pleasures you've enabled me to enjoy over the past 24 hours. The food, rest, comfort, family, Thank you for pleasant memories. Thank you for future hope, things I enjoy looking forward to. Thank you for the preachers you've called and spent years preparing so they could bring me your word. Thank you for the missionaries and evangelists you called to bring the gospel to the people who brought it to me. Thank you for forgiveness of sins and for making me your child. Thank you for fresh air and cool breezes and the beauty of the skies and the majesty of the mountains. Thank you for listening attentively to this prayer. Open my eyes to more of your blessings so that my gratitude 
might increase. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.